Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global Wellness Fraud Podcast. My name is Lale Hancock, and I have the great pleasure of being your host every single week, bringing in conversations, tools, resources to bringing more wellness and well being in all aspects of our lives, whether it's relationships, it's finances, business, our bodies, and mental health whether it's having more communion with our magical earth or bringing more awareness and consciousness in everything that we're choosing. So thank you so much for being here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global Wellness Fraud Podcast. My name is Lale Hancock, and I am going to be your host for today. And I have a special guest today, all the way from New York, as I'm in Spain, um, my friend, my new friend, Frank Pomada. Welcome, Frank. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So nice to have you here. Now, for some of you may know Frank because all his magical work that he does during the day for the Suffolk County, New York County Department of Labor, where he's really empowering people to get jobs and to have extra skill sets and empowering them to really look beyond the life that they've had to really creating something different. In addition to that, he puts on his cape after work and he's really a mental wellness um, advisor, advocate, and someone that shares a really special story that we're going to talk about today. Um, so Frank, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm grateful to be here. I really am honored to be here and I hope that uh, I can impart some helpful information by sharing my story with uh, the listeners. So I'm really glad that we connected. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I know like when you and I connected, it was so interesting. Like we thought we we're gonna have like a five minute, 10 minute conversation together. And I think it turned into like 45 minutes or something <laughs> like that. It, it, just, it might've been, I lost track of time. I was enjoying our conversation. <laughs> that was the magic. We just we just had so much in common, but also like, you know, the, the world that we're desiring to create, um, bringing and shining more light on mental wellness. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I love, the story that you put together, article you put together, silence is deadly. Um, mm -hmm. I do want to, we're going to talk about this particular um, article in a minute, but you know, with Global Wellness for All, mental health is a big part of wellness because it's part of you and it's part of your day-to-day -day life. And like you describe in this particular article that, you know, there were, you actually had three attempts to leave yes, this planet yes, and luckily for your magical wife who brought you back to life after the third attempt yeah, and really, yes. really opened your eyes that, you know what, it's not just you. And that not only is there resources for you, but it has to start from within that there's so much more that you don't even know is available to actually have a life and living. And so, can you can you tell people a little bit more about you and this article that you, you know, you were so vulnerable. It was so beautiful to read this article because so often people 
do want to hide. They don't want to put lights on the struggles they've had in life. Yes. Well, I think then that is one of the key things, and particularly for males, but certainly not exclusively for males, uh, socialized, at least, and I can only speak from a North American perspective. I have to say that right at the outset. I know you have a worldwide audience, so yeah. the caveat here is that I want to acknowledge that I can speak from that perspective only and not pretend to know others, but sure. the milieu in which I grew up, and I'm Italian-American, so that adds another layer to it, is one of a certain sort of a type of masculinity, which I think uh, can be very harmful. In fact, I I go to men's retreats where I'm trying not only to help myself, but collectively when um, I get together with other men who are, I want to say we're more enlightened, but we're a little further perhaps down the path. We're able to sort of try and break out of that and we can put our emotional armor that most men are wearing uh, and it gets really heavy. And I guess circling back to is that the way in which we're raised, the way in which I was raised, was one of you don't show weakness and this and that. And I grew up in somewhat traumatic, I'm realizing in retrospect, a somewhat traumatic um, childhood. My grandmother had bipolar really badly, which was called manic depression back then. And then um, my father had it too. So there was a lot of unpredictability and whatnot. And I looked at that with a great deal of fear. I realized that that's going to be me. I mean, I actually made a decision that I did not want to have children of my own because I was fearful of passing that gene along and the pain that I think it would cause me to see a child of my own uh, going through the pain that I knew it was like. But also, I didn't know how this disease might progress and whether it might take me away. And I thought, you know, if I bring a child into the world, I would have a responsibility for them. So I hope I've answered your question, at least initially there. And yeah. so I was a mental health denier. Let me put this pin in. So mental health denier, and I guess now you can almost call me, I'm, a, I'm sort of a mental health town crier. That third suicide attempt was a catalyst. My wife saving my life and her and my mother having a real serious discussion in the hospital with me where I realized, okay, I can't keep the strategy I've been using for 48 years of sticking my head in the sand and trying to not look at this scary monster under the bed, so to speak, of mental illness. I need to acknowledge, number one, to myself that I have the disease. Number two, that there is help out there and I need to ask for that help. I need to do some work. And is it um, sometimes a little bit embarrassing for me to tell those details of the things I've gone through? Of course it is. But if I can save one life or if I can help one person across that threshold that it was so difficult for me to step over, well, then that makes it worth it to me. Yeah. And mental health, I'm, I'm, I keep calling it men mental wellness because for me, mm -hmm. a lot of times with health, people make it be an illness. And for me, it's mm. not an illness at all. It's that we each have to look at what is going on in our lives. Now with you, sure. you know, you don't realize, but as a child, by the age of two, we pick up mm -hmm. every point of view from our families. So between, yes. you know, your mom, your dad, and anyone who is influential in your life, your body starts to mimic their bodies. Yes. And yes. most of us don't realize that, you know, but, and, and especially as a child, we also have the ability to hear, even if the words are not spoken, 
people's thoughts, you know? So mm, if someone the said, energy, the energy, the energy of it, you know? So if they were like afraid that grandma had something, you know, like they're projecting all of that on the kids without realizing what they're doing. So as kids, yeah. we grow up with all this information that we don't even know what to do with, you know? How to process and it, right. We don't know how to process it other than how we witness our families do it. So like, for example, you, you watched your dad handle grandma and his own problems. And as kids, we look at, a, at our parents as our mentors. You know, we look at them as our superheroes. Role models, Totally. We want to be just like them. So we start to duplicate mm -hmm. and plagiarize how their control systems are, how they, you know, how they handle things. And we literally duplicate it. And yeah. by doing that, we don't realize because we turn off our awareness to, hey, let me ask a question. What is this? Can I get someone to help me? It doesn't even become part of our even common thought because that's not how mom or dad or grandma handled it. Sure. It was almost as if you uttered the words, just like cancer in the 50s. And I mentioned that in my article, uh, yeah. saying the words itself might reify it, you know? And I love how you talked about paraphrasing, you know, because you often hear the word script being used. And am I going to repeat this script? Well, I decided to exit stage left, but not in the way originally. Now, maybe I went and exited stage right to to the to a, a different life. And one where I acknowledged this as a part of who I am, I've now embraced as part of my identity, being a person with a mental illness, not a mentally ill person. And that's a, you know, one could look at that just as a uh, the way we're wearing something, and yet words, I think we all know they have an importance, they have power. So um, I have sort of embraced folks with mental illness as my tribe. I frankly do not like how my tribe is being treated. So I actually frame a lot of my work as having parallels to the civil rights movement. I've read works on the disability rights movement, the physical disability rights movement, and how long it took them to be taken seriously. And uh, I have cousins who are um, gay, and we were talking when I first sort of uh, uh, came out more publicly, and we compared how it's very akin to that, and there are people with different reactions. Um, there's a member of my family, and for confidentiality reasons, I don't want to name them in the podcast, but I'm not mad at her. I understand there's different reactions that survivors will have, and members, and sometimes people look at it as, how could Frank do that to me? You know, and and or or they have to protect themselves. Like, what if he's going to do that again? And so that was this person's reaction. At a remove from the event, they told me that they only wanted to have a low goodbye relation with me, and and that was that was like at first it was painful because I didn't know where it was coming from, but then once later on we peeled the onion or. Um, someone close to the person peeled the onion of why that reaction was, I made my peace with it. I was like, wow, oh, okay, I get that. You know, this person's had a loss already and doesn't want to, you know, take the chance. So I get it. They're not standing in judgment of me, but I feel bad that, that it had that impact. That is, it is what it is, you know. 
Unfortunately, we cannot control how others are going to react. And we have to be in total allowance of mm-hmm. letting them do it their way. And if it means mm-hmm. sometimes we lose them out of our lives, then that's actually one of the things that ends up happening. Mm-hmm. But for you to also honor you and you know, like you said, one of the things with families that I have found, um, and it doesn't matter, it could be cancer, it could be anything else, is that most try to keep everything private, okay? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get that that's, yeah, I get that that was the old way of doing it, but for you to be able to ch- create change, like you said, you had to exit stage left, you know, or right you know there's something different that has to happen for a different result to actually be created you know and and if we're not willing to take that first step Mm. towards something new we can never have the awareness the information the possibilities and everything else that can go with it and not only that you know I'll tell you I have found more and more people in corporate America, in, you know, medical industries, you name it, who now find that from other people like you coming out and actually sharing that they didn't have to hide it anymore and how many people that has inspired. And, you know, anything that we hide, we cannot change. True, true. Half of solving a problem, I like to say, is knowing that there is a problem. And that's the easy part is, or the easier part, let me say, is, oh, there's something here that I need to examine or look at or perhaps deal with, which for me was mental illness. The harder part then was I was deathly afraid of taking medications, and now I do. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the first things my uh, therapist asked me to do, I had done research and I thought CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, would be something that I felt would be most effective for me. So I gravitated towards someone and I felt like, I feel like I made a really great choice and I can't praise my particular therapist enough. We've, I've been with her all, ever since that event um, and we are still working. But one of the first things she did scared the living crap out of me. She wanted me to keep a journal. And I was just like, you want me to write down my deepest, darkest, those things that I've been like keeping like really hidden away over here? Like, oh my God, like, well, you know, and, and then you want to read them too? That, that she, so she said, her response was priceless. She said, well, you can write whatever you want. She said, you could actually write if you want. Your first entry could be, Hillary wants me to keep a journal and I don't want to. And well, my first entry was, Hillary wants me to keep a journal and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> About a okay. year later, I grudgingly admitted to her how helpful the methodology had been and how it was helping me to sort of peel the onion, if you will, of what I was dealing with, some of the events and how other people were related, uh, boundary issues. I've done a lot of research. I started to make myself like an expert in this. And over time, I think it was in late 2017, I said to her, I said, you know, I said, I write and I talk publicly for a living. And I'm not afraid, like many people are afraid of talking publicly or even, or sharing personal stuff. I said, and I'm kind of not. Maybe I should take those tools that I just have, those gifts, and perhaps I can use them. And and she just shook her head and said, that's really great. And then I spoke to my wife and she had the same reaction. So 
Uh, I really credit both my wife and my mom, who's now deceased, uh, in particular with being so super supportive. You know, um, they were like my lifelines, and my grandson had come into my life just before that suicide attempt. So he, he too, those three individuals she has referred to as my lifelines, uh, helped me uh, stay grounded and give me a reason that even if I don't feel like living for me, she said, them. You, you, I know you don't want to hurt them, and and they'll, they'll give you a reason to think twice about it. And that 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 was powerful. And each of us is gonna find different things that works for us. You know, like mm -hmm. this was your journey, and you know, your wife is incredible. She's a nurse, and she has such a broad perspective on really um, contributing to others, empowering them, and. Yes. You know, you finding this therapist was your route. I have so many people that I've worked with that they have had different treatments, you know, the access mm -hmm. bars or other other kinds of treatments that- well, I didn't tell you I fired the first guy, but that's a whole other story. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you about okay. that. And the 26 calls I had to make. Now there's another issue, but please continue. But, okay. but this, this is the key that I want to address is that you have to find what is going to work for you. Agreed. Agreed. And you know, for you, saw. yeah, mm -hmm. and and you for you, medication worked. For others, it's not going to work. So they find alternative ways sure. to get results, to get mm -hmm. the ease. Like you said, you know, you go on retreats with men, and you know, so often people aren't willing to really consider that all of us. It doesn't matter what your gender is in this lifetime. All mm -hmm. of us require, like you said, a support system, right? Yes. And sometimes yes. it's your family, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is finding groups of people that maybe resonate. It could be they don't have had the same things going on or the same things going on. Like you have to find your resource system, you know? I go to the gym regularly. That's a part of it. That's not drugs. But I jealously guard that time because there's so many things that will take that away that I've gotten to the point where it's in my outlook on the computer yeah. and it's in my appointment book and it's treated as an appointment so that when Susie or Charlie or somebody asks me, you know, hey, uh, are you available? I'm like, you know what? I will be available after this time because yeah. that's my me time. Because and it's not just about taking care of my body. I'm not one of those people that wants to live forever. It's not. But I like being feeling healthy. I like what there's that mind-body connection, which a lot of people are not as tuned into. And me taking care of my body and the physical exercise. I go for a morning walk. I greet the day, I call it. I get up very early because I have to be at work, you know, between 8 and 8.30. And um, so I get up around 5 and I take a morning walk. And every so often, my wife will join me. And that's really nice to, you know, just see the sun rising and... Uh, we walk around our apartment complex, so it's a little less life-threatening than it might be walking in New York uh, otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Hey, I'm going so, for a walk. <laughs> there I am. Bye. <laughs> Oopsie-daisy. Yeah, we were talking about New York City. Um, <laughs> um, so, Frank, I guess, you know, um, you do speak to so many different kinds of people, different backgrounds, different ages, and really assisting them with the whole, you know, 
having a different perspective about mental wellness. So tell me, like, are there three things that maybe you can leave behind with the listeners of like, where do you start? Three takeaways. Well, I think for many, because of this resistance to it, especially to among men, one of the best ideas, and we just talked about the gym, right, is yeah. taking the message to where people are at, both mm -hmm. physically as well as where they are mentally. I heard a suggestion come up. I did a workshop at the last, spontaneously, I did it. They said they had some empty slots at the last men's retreat I went to up in Connecticut. And uh, mm -hmm. I called it, let's talk about mental health. And I capitalized the MEN. And well, interestingly enough, only three guys were signed up. I thought, oh, wow. Well, but six showed up. And I said, geez, what happened? Did you guys just change it? And I said, oh, we didn't want our names on there. I'm like, this is a men's retreat music. So one of the ideas that came up in that workshop was having mental health literature at a gym. There's guys there anyway. And if it's there, like on the counter or someplace where they can discreetly just kind of take something, you know, about say a workshop and they let me put something in the chamber of commerce here in my town, let me do something for the business community on mental health in the workplace. And I asked the gym owner if I could put it and he was great. He's like, yeah, absolutely. And then he said, he followed that up with, rolling this together which i thought was wow cool so who knows what his journey was we didn't get into that so that's the first yeah. one is meeting people where they're at you already took one of the ones that i might have said you mentioned it is that it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of approach um and in being able to the other one is um helping people letting them know that it's we're hearing that phrase, it's okay not to be okay now more and more often, at least here in the United States. Um, that's a message I think that's important because sometimes I felt like, and when I talk to other people with mental illnesses, you feel like damaged goods or society makes you feel that way. There are people that come to me at my day job and we start to talk, you know, because we almost do like a mini psychosocial. Unemployment doesn't happen in a vacuum in the process of talking to them, let's talk about what happened. Sometimes I gotta pick them up off the floor first because they're so busy flagellating themselves, especially guys for being out of work. And so I, I have to stop them and, and I sometimes, if it's appropriate, suppose and say, hey, guess what? I was on the other side of this desk. I said, you see me today and I look a certain way. Um, I was on the other side of the desk. I said, this is not a permanent thing. You know, just as we talked about that person in my life and their reaction to my suicide attempt, that that's not necessarily a static thing. So it's a, a lot of it is about mindset and how we frame things. You know, it's that old saying that my mom said a lot. It's, it's not what happens to you. It's how you deal with it. And, and there was a real stark contrast there. And I think my mom was more my role model than my dad. And that's not to put my dad down. There's plenty of characteristics and good things I get from him. But... Uh, other than this other beautiful disease he bequeathed to me. <laughs> but um, mom was a, a pragmatic problem solver. She didn't ask, why is this happening to me? She's like, okay, this is my situation. What do I need to do to solve the problem? Whereas dad spent a lot of time going, oh, why, oh, why is this happening? Really? What did I do to freaking deserve this? You know, I could get into a whole theatrical thing, but you know, uh, I'm speaking Italian or New York uh, for those of you uh, in the studio audience. Uh, <laughs> so if you see my hands flying about, I have occasionally uh, hit other people when I'm doing groups. I have to be very careful if I 
people have said if I sat on my hands, I probably wouldn't be able to talk. So, so forgive me if you see my hands flying. Um, I'm just being expressive and passionate. And that's just who I am. I, I, I bring that to a lot of things I do. And so when I dove into this in 2018, um, I dove in and I started with people that I knew. I worked in the nonprofit human services uh, field for about 25 plus years before I entered work in government with the county. And um, I approached a bunch of people I knew in different nonprofits. I said, hey, are you looking for a speaker or a trainer or something like that? Do you either do an in-service or speak to your clientele? And I'm very thankful. It was one of those people who gave me my first speaking gig. And then I have a woman that I work with at the Department of Labor in the county next to us at one point when I was a Job Corps recruiter years and years ago. Well, she got wind through LinkedIn. I was doing this. And she's my unpaid agent cheerleader. She's feeding me leads. She's in, she's like, oh, don't forget to put that article on LinkedIn, Frank. Uh, did you remember that? And did you do this? And and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, okay. Yes, my agents at work once again. Thank you, Gloria. <laughs> <laughs> but she's always she's like that cheerleader in the background, and sometimes she's in the foreground. And I got this award recently, uh, about a year ago, for helping women in their career paths and mentoring uh, young women. Uh, and I just, it was something that I just did in the course of my work because um, many of my own mentors happened, starting with my mother, happened to be females because that field, nonprofit human services, is female dominated. And so I often found myself wanting to reach back. And well, who did I reach back to? A lot of times it was young ladies or women who sometimes were mid career, maybe they were returning back or wanted to re enter the workforce after maybe taking care of a, a children or a spouse. And so they have certain extra little barriers in there. And I'm, one, I'm a door opener, you know? It's really easy to be, um, you know, or I see, you know, it's easy to be a critic. I don't want to add to that chorus. I want to be one of those encouragers. Not false encouragement, but I want to really kind of try to help people concretely. I'm not a dream killer. I worked uh, in a low-income neighborhood uh, on a college prep program for about six years working with this cohort of kids. And if someone so said to me they want to be an astronaut or a Supreme Court justice or one young person want to be a recording artist, I never said, oh, that's not realistic. I said, okay, that sounds really great. Um, tell me how you're going to get from A to B. Like, do you have any kind of game plan? And I said, do the same thing with folks in my day job at the career center. Like, okay, so you want to be a director. Do you have your CDL or this that? Or what's your plan B? What if? And I know that it's probably going to work out. You know, I always kind of do that you know, type of thing. But let's let's just play devil's advocate. Work with me here. <laughs> and it's a way of not stifling people, but helping them, you know, just be a guide on the side. And being yeah. respectful of their passions and desires. And who the heck am I to say, you're not going to do that? You know what? Go well, I believe everyone out. can. That's the there you beauty go. of it. But All right, need, so, see, we're on the same page. Yeah, but we need encouragement of knowing where do we start. And, it, and you know, I got to tell you, I tell people, please don't stop dreaming. Because until you reach, you, you're never going to know if you can get it or not. You know, mm -hmm. you have to ask and explore and figure out who can contribute on your journey to get there. Preach, preach. 
<laughs> yeah, totally. So See, this no, is I why we've that. had this extended conversation. We connected so well because apparently we got the same playbook or a very similar one. <laughs> We're both. I like this. There's a little meme that I often put up on LinkedIn and other places to share with people that had it hung up in my offices. Is about call me crazy, but I love to see other people succeed. You know, there's those yeah. folks, they'll, they'll trip you and stuff as you're on your way up the stairs or, or, or there's that crabs in the barrel. I don't know if you've heard that analogy where in some uh, milieus, like if someone's doing better, the other folks will sort of drag them down and it might even be their friends or family believe it. It's like, oh, what are you doing? Kind of trying to get out of the ghetto or whatever it might be, right? I don't want to be, no, no. I'm going to be the person lifting you up. Get on my shoulders. Come on, I'll help you up. Hey, hey, come on. You got a possibility of doing X, Y, Z? Here, go ahead. Because I also believe in that whole karmic thing, too, of the energy that we put out, okay? And we all do put out energy. And yeah. are we putting out positive, good stuff? If I, if I made one person laugh in the course of the day or if I helped one person with a job lead, you know what? I had a great day. I'm not putting down anybody that sells or makes widgets. We need those folks, but that's not my thing. Me, my right. gift or my calling, if you will, is I love to help people and build community. And, you know, um, yes, I need a paycheck at the end of the day, but I'm more of a, when I would be in interviews, I would tell people I'm more of a mission driven person. And so I'm attracted to things that are in sync with my value system. And I guess that's what attracted me to the kinds of jobs and things that I did, you know. Some people would look at my resume and say, oh, this guy's a job hopper. But I said, oh, hold on a second now. There's a thread in there. Look at every one of those jobs and what, what the results were, the kind of work that I was doing. Sure, sure. Frank, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure to continue our conversation from last time. <laughs> Thank and you. introduce you to the listeners who are listening now or are listening in the future. And just knowing that, you know, you're out there just makes me so happy. And I'm so grateful that your wife you. um, made sure you didn't go anywhere <laughs> in 2012. Um, because the world needs you. I mean, Thank we need more of people like you, Frank, and people who are there as an inspiration, but also there, like you said, here, let me lend you a hand and put you on my shoulders and let's go. You'll um, make me cry now. <laughs> oh, oh, let's do it. Let's cry. It's okay. <laughs> hey, sometimes a good belly laugh or a good cry is just what we all need, you know? Uh, when I go exactly. to those men's retreats, I do more belly laughing and occasionally do some crying. Uh, and that's a real hard thing for men to do. Um, should we tell folks if they want to where they could find me? I don't know if you yeah, that was my next group. question. Oh, okay. <laughs> so where you can find me, you do not need a detective's uh, eyeglass or anything like that. I have a LinkedIn group that I created. You can Google my name, you know, which is right here, uh, and LinkedIn, and you'll find I have a group called Mental Health Change Agents, and it is a group for it's a space for clinicians, those people with all the letters behind their names and whatnot, uh, and then folks like you and me who have lived experience that, you know, we learned our lessons through real life and living it. So um, I would love to meet some of your listeners. Yeah, and there's gonna be a link also in the description of this particular show 
So Beautiful. you will have it there. You could just click on it and get to where you've got to go. She's Frank. got she got this. She's got this. You don't need this. <laughs> Frank, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. And you know, thank we've you. talked about other ways that we might be able to contribute to what each of us is creating and Sounds really great. getting more of this message out there. Um, you know, for a long time mental wellness or mental health was something that was not spoken, but now we each need to stand next to each other mm -hmm. and be that for each other. Because each of us in a given day may have that need. You know, it's not, did you get diagnosed or are you on medication or anything like that? It's like each of us, what can we do today to create a change in our overall wellness, including our mental wellness. Making so thank you for thank you, Frank. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful thank you so for much. you. And you. Uh, for, for all you listeners, thank you for being here. And please, will you contribute? Let's spread this message across the globe because I know so many people are asking for who else can be a contribution for them. So let's let's spread this message that we all are here to contribute to each other. Sounds <laughs> great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Whether you are listening or watching live or on a replay, we are so grateful for you. We want to hear from you. What would you like to hear about? What are topics that get you excited and you would like to know more about? You can message us on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or even uh, sending us a message at globalwellnessforall.com slash contact. And also, would you be willing to assist us? Would you be willing to contribute spreading these seeds of wellness and well-being to others and as always we are so happy you're here and what is truly possible with our amazing planet the minute we're willing to have more wellness and well-being see you next time <laughs>